And so it begins. No one knows its secrets. It's like nothing you've ever gone after before. You make me want to be a better man. Koski Brothers, the podcast for people that are looking to branch out their cinematic tastes. I'm Ben, and this is my brother Nick. Hey, Benny, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. So, Nick, I have a question about your musical taste this time. Okay. Do you like K-pop? K-pop, the Korean pop music. Yes. Uh, I I'm gonna plead ignorance. Um, that I don't know enough about it to say that I that I like it or dislike it. Although what I've heard, I've not responded to. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So to say, you're you're just not into it, whether it's good or not. Uh, it's uh, not yeah, it's not. It it does not interest me. How about you? Uh, what do you think? <laughs> yes, I mean this could go any yes. way. Okay. Yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think you could. I think you could, your in your hunch, considering that you do uh, again that I have always had a love for foreign Latin language pop. pop music. Yes, right. Latin yes, pop. exactly. Uh, and it wasn't even with you know Gangnam Style, uh, you know right. size ubiquitous hit. Of course, uh, about ten years ago uh, or so, uh, that wasn't really got into it. It was more going to. Korean barbecue restaurants, and they'd always have TVs that have these weird, yeah. just random music videos. videos. Yeah. Uh, and finding that I actually was like, hey, I actually kind of like that song. Uh, and then I just started listening to uh, certain uh, groups and kind of gotten into it. Uh, we, but, and I, we could do a whole podcast about it, as there certainly are <laughs> uh, that know much more than me. But I've just, and my main thing that I like it is yes, I can rarely, I, know almost none of the words although usually some part of the chorus is in english and that's uh, true so of I, the original korean version of gangnam style oh yeah yeah uh, uh so uh yeah there's usually some but mostly they're just you know there's syllables that i don't know what they mean uh right. but it's and it's this you know overproduced uh you know completely fluffy pop music particularly to someone who can't understand the words so i don't know if they're Talking about could be you know anything. <laughs> if they're talking about injustice in Vietnam sure. uh, or their crush <laughs> in high school, uh, right? It's always the crush in their high school. Don't worry. Uh, and I uh, understand there's a whole subculture online as far as K-pop goes that I really truly don't understand. Oh, I mean, oh yeah, I mean the fans, the K-pop fans are the most devoted fans in the world. Particularly of BTS is what I assume you're thinking of. Uh, BTS is the big boy band right now. That yes, I, do I shouldn't know that. say right now uh, that literally has like the most devoted Twitter followers of all time. You know, uh-huh. they dominate like Twitter at any one t- given time. Uh, and I, they take over and, hashtags like they take over yes, seemingly. Apparently. Right. Um, well, I think they use that for good recently. Like they somehow like took down some. They did. They use it somehow for Black Lives Matter recently. Right. Uh, yes. It was something. It was, and, there was something is, about. Um, yeah, anyway, but they, and so I plead, I will play the part of the Applejack's dad. I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know it. Um, I, you know, and I think listeners of this podcast are, are, if I lose some street cred, 
in in the eyes of our <laughs> listeners, the ears of our listeners. I'm not sure I had any in the first place, so I'm okay putting it up at stake. Why do you ask? I don't ask, think it. I don't think, I don't think there's any street cred in terms of K-pop, although if we insulted BTS, definitely, if anyone listened to us that loves BTS, they would love listen BTS. to us again. I think uh, they're great. <laughs> yeah. uh, I ask because I, this, I feel like listening to music in which you cannot understand the lyrics is very uh, important to this movie we're about to talk about. <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, you're in, my end to that, of course, is opera, which I adore. Not, not K-pop. Yes. Well, I knew, uh, I knew your answer to you like opera, Nick, would be right. obviously, and then I wouldn't get you to stop talking to get to the movie. Good point. Uh, <laughs> uh, so what movie are we talking about? We are talking about The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, uh, 1964 Jacques Demy musical. Um, you, it really is an opera, a romantic yes. comedy. Uh, a com- it's not a romantic comedy, romance, I suppose, uh, in which every single line syllable is sung in French. But there are subtitles. Oh, yeah. No, I'm going to be honest. I want all of my French movies to be operas because it was... It was <laughs> great like i didn't mind reading this because i was getting you know this singing to me as opposed to it's a like i felt like reading it was not a chore like sometimes like reading the like reading while they're talking in these french movies like i just can't mm-hmm. handle it it was great it was amazing like uh, <laughs> like i just feel it was very i've obviously i've never seen a musical in another language uh, and i've certainly never seen i mean i've seen opera you and i've gone mm-hmm. to the opera I, I actually do enjoy yeah, uh, the opera quite a bit. So uh, maybe then that was why I enjoyed this so much. Uh, like the fact that they sing everything, I felt like that would have felt weirder if they were speaking in English because I would have been like, oh, that's a weird thing for them to say in English. Instead, I'm like, oh, the French, it's so beautiful. They just sing to each other. That makes sense. Like, I can get behind this. <laughs> yeah, I, and we'll probably get into this. I've never understood... <laughs> Why? I mean, people call the opera a new. Well, people call the opera all kinds of things, but it makes <laughs> more logical sense to me than a stage musical. In that, well, why, is sometimes. It, why is it acceptable to be like, well, now that I'm feeling all these emotions, I'll sing it in the middle of. Yeah. It almost seems like it's more unreality that there'd be a. It reminds you that, oh, yeah, there are 40 schmoes and tuxedos in this big hole in the front of the stage who are just waiting, yeah. uh, as opposed to them being part of the, the drama. But anyway, yeah, this yeah. is often, I think, called a musical to appeal to people that would be scared off um, by calling it an opera. But uh, it is, in terms of the definitions of those two words, uh, much closer to an opera, except it's 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 short and very jazzy. Not that there can't be <laughs> yeah. those elements um, those elements in an opera, especially a twentieth century opera. But anyway, yeah, it's uh, everything's sung. And but, I the can sim- but by the way, we've been talking about this. The simplest definition: an opera is sung through. Everything is sung, including like you know, exposition. Whereas, right, like a stage musical that you go to uh, on Broadway usually has parts between the songs where they're just talking. That's the uh, and I would say the, the majority the of movie musicals I know of. <laughs> the overwhelming majority. I mean, yeah, there is a sub genre of opera movies, but it it it's very you can absorb it all in. It's a finite thing, whereas movie musicals, 
there are much more, and they're certainly more mainstream. Um, yeah, and I can think of, there's probably other instances of movies like this one, Umbrellas of Cherbourg, uh, where they're, they're, they are all sung through and are all totally original. This is not an adaptation from a stage uh, uh, item, a stage uh, entity. It, is, it was totally written. Um, the music is great by, uh, uh, for, the, uh, for the movie, and so um, that's very rare. Yeah, I wanted to ask you if there's like, was there any other ever any other movies like this? <laughs> uh, you know, where everything's sung through because I definitely had never seen one. <laughs> where it's new, where it's not, it's not Carmen. You know, I mean, it's not the movie version of right. of La Boheme. I can't think of one right. off the top of my head, uh, but I'm sure there there are. Okay. <laughs> And I again. I was, uh, and then, go ahead. And then what's, and then so then tell me about the director. The director is Jacques Demy. Um, a, I, I would consider him very much part of the French New Wave, um, which was a, a a series of young French filmmakers who sort of revolted against the um, the old guard in the late fifties and sixties. Uh, but his, most people think of um, Francois Truffaut, who we've talked about in this show, and uh, Jean-Luc Godard, who I should make you watch, but it would go over poorly, I think, uh, <laughs> whose uh, who's energy and certainly the early movies are, are sort of guerrilla style. Um, and that's what a lot of people think of as the new wave. However, the, it, the new wave has more colors than that. Uh, uh, and Jacques Demy is one of the more stately, I guess, is, is some of his, I don't know about famous movies, uh, especially for an American audience. Uh, and he is a second degree um, filmmaker compared to Truffaut and, um, and Godard, but those are two of the greatest of all time, so who can say? Uh, but his movies were much more traditional, but subverted in a really interesting way. He made a great movie called Lola, which is sort of an update, an homage to a movie we've talked about on this podcast called Lola Montez. Um, and then this one, the, the Umbrellas of Cherbourg, which it looks like a big Hollywood musical, or seems sounds like a big Hollywood musical, but is really rooted in reality. It's, a, 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 you know, it, nothing really fantastic happens in it. Uh, the story is pretty unremarkable, and I hope I'm not selling it short. My point is, it's a it's a very relatable yes, no. story, uh, but it's not fantastic. It's not you know we we didn't sell no. the, the, the we didn't sell the town seventy six trombones, and we or we didn't <laughs> you know uh, uh, start the American Revolution or the French Revolution. You know, it, it's not it doesn't or it doesn't feel like the subject of a big Broadway musical. Um, uh, and it, it does feel very grounded in reality, despite this huge orchestral score and the singing, and the fact that uh, this, I think, definitely separates him from um, from his contemporaries. The fact that everybody in it is is unbelievably good looking, and uh, you know there is no ugliness in the, the certainly the the presentation of the world is 
recognizable but unreal. Is elevated. Is is stylized because everything is colored. Every, oh, every they, the wall uh, the wallpaper wallpaper is always on point. Uh, it the looks, alleys are I mean, bright, are bright green. It looks pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. I, well, you yes, big bold primary colors, reds and yellows mm. and greens and that kind of thing. In fact, you don't really get that drabness except for in a few cases especially when when um Guy is leaving on the train uh that's about it everything else is this very stylized explosion of of color and style the, the clothes are beautiful uh you know the uh the people are beautiful the the the, the decor is is unbelievable um, you know, it's a, and so in that regard, in his in his previous movie, Lola is a lot like that too, although it's in black and white. But it hues a little bit closer to the jump cut, uh, slice of life, cinema verite, new wave tradition. Yeah, because you said it. I mean, yeah, like a broad, you know, a a particularly you know, in the you know in the forty, fifty, sixties. Uh, Hollywood musical would have to be devoted to something big and huge to you know warrant this, and yet, I mean, the entire story is Guy and Jean Viev are in love. He's got to mm-hmm. go to war. He leaves. Her her mom pressures her to marry a rich dude, so she does and flays goes to Paris. He comes back from the war in Algeria. She's gone. So then he. Uh, decides to be with his uh, late aunt's nurse uh, and then he starts his own garage uh, and then he has an encounter with her at the very end. I literally yep. didn't miss anything with that, with that, 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 that sentence. Plot. I described everything that happens. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is the entire plot. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think you're, that's what you're saying is the point. I mean, I think that the point he's saying is, yeah, this and not mundane because, you know, young love is not mundane to the people in no. it, but this, simple story still like like that's what the you know the beauty of life is and you know that's where you know you get the this you know this fantasticalness like it is for these young lovers in love the world is all colors and stuff uh and you know trying to yeah like you said elevating kind of this relatively normal story uh which yeah, i that, really liked and i did i liked i was and of course i was always trying to piece together like there's so many times right particularly Guy's room is blue and Guy comes into his room wearing a blue shirt. Right. Yeah. Or the, uh, or the, ner- uh, the ner- Madeline, right. Madeline, right. Uh, it's wearing orange when she's in the orange cafe, uh, was Correct. all pretty, I mean, coordinated. Uh, I mean, it, everything, yeah. the amount of time spent on the detail must've been, it, it's not very surprising that he didn't really do anything like this again. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, it, 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 the labor of loveness must have been, um, you know, unbelievable. So, uh, and I say that it, 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 one of his, uh, he did make another musical called "The Young Girls of Rochefort" with Catherine Deneuve uh, and and Gene Kelly actually, but uh, it's not it's not sung through. Uh, and again, I did it, just the same. It's a. Uh, you the plot you described could also is a fairly well trod opera plot of 
the, the true love being subverted by a parent's desire for stability or to push mm-hmm. their child into the arms of someone they find to be more suitable. There's nothing new about that. Uh, and you know, a lot of people who go to the opera find that very little happens, ex- even for the melodrama of it. Uh, and that's one of the dramatic disadvantages of being sung through. You know, being able yeah. to explain things when you're talking you can get, is a lot more efficient. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You could potentially have you have to. I think you can get a lot more emotionality when you're singing, but it's hard to make things more complicated. You have to keep things simpler. Uh, you know, the machinations of of a plot are difficult to um, really unfurl when everything's sung. However, I don't oh, think yeah. it's and I, also I like if you if, if you had this movie right, if this movie was a and it still is you know quite short. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was, if I had a 90 minute movie that what, ha- you know, the plot I just told you is what happened and it wasn't sunk through and the, it wasn't colorful, I'd probably be pretty bored. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. But, but I, I truly was never bored. Like, it was super no, fun. It's the, the combination of those two things, the music um, and then the visuals of it, you know, I think that's what's A, so many movie musicals generally, but opera movies specifically miss that they think the music will just carry the the uh, uh, the experience, and that is yeah. poorly undercutting the very art form that you're trying to, you know, adapt something to. This is again, like, again, it's not an adaptation, but uh, very few movie musicals based on Broadway shows outdo the shows they're based on, simply because they're not they're Unwill, unwittingly putting a saddle on a cow, whereas uh, the you know the best movie musicals, which we'll get to in a second, uh, blend that um, those two art forms, which are very different. And then in operas, it's even worse because the the director just assumes that Verdi or or Puccini will do all the hard work, uh, but it gets very boring very quickly if you're not also using that all important visual standpoint uh, but this movie never does that it never lags uh, yeah I don't really think these are complicated characters and uh, they could be we just don't get to see that part of them uh, but they you know they are expressed through what they're wearing through the colors we associate with them sometimes they have um, you know themes and uh, but everything is out there uh, it, it combined in a visual and audio um, dance. Yeah, and I also feel like, to me, you know, if, I don't know if I say it's a flaw or that, I mean they made this choice. Like it's hard. First of all, they literally run an umbrella store. The store yeah. does nothing but sell umbrellas. I mean, yeah. in 2020, that's extremely difficult to imagine. <laughs> uh, but also, like, it's just really hard. Like, you don't feel any of like, you don't feel this pressure on her to get out of this horrible life when she's in this colorful store of umbrellas. Right. Like, and her and her mom are very well dressed. And you can't feel like, oh, man, yeah, she's got to marry this rich guy to get out of this horrible hellhole. Right? Like, and I think that we, is... we, the audience, feel no reason that she has to go with this guy. No. And he's not a bad guy. You know, I think if you no. remade um, in America, he'd have to be more of a villain. I think he really does love her, Andre. Um, the 
uh, you know, uh, Julie's bi- J- Julie's biggest problem was he never he basically just you know only talks to the mom to get to her to get to right. Jean-Biev, uh which she kind of had a problem with. I was like, well, I don't know, it's the '60s, and she she's always leaving and not talking to him. Uh, I don't think there's much of a, a, a yeah, and even the movie sort of points that out when the mom is when when Jean-Biev suggests because she sees through her mom's worry about the money. He's like, why don't you just sell your jewels? And she's like, well, yeah. you can't do that, you know. So obviously they're right. not. But I can uh, I can make you marry someone you don't love. That that's yeah. fine. <laughs> and I and I'm not even quite. I mean, I think the the why it doesn't. I mean, I call it a romantic comedy. It's not really a comedy, yeah. uh, but no. I don't think of it as a tragedy either. I just think there are oftentimes those people, even if logically you know, okay, well that would have fizzled out or that it did fizzle out. But you know, you see them, or you think of them, and you you just it, you know it, it's. I think that moment at the end where they see each other is not yeah. a oh we ended up with the wrong people. It's just sometimes romantic to think well what might have been if I had been with that high school boyfriend or if I had if I had actually you know made that connection with the you know had called that girl back from that one date or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, I don't think the movie's really arguing that this is. Romeo and Juliet. No, but you are, I mean, you are rooting for them. And so then sure. you're a little sad, even though he ends up with yeah. legit the he, best he person in the movie. Correct. I, I mean, mean, he comes out great. Uh, who although it's, him into it shape. must be sad. I mean, yes, that's true. Except that John, uh, Catherine Deneuve has never looked better. I, I mean, it, I don't. It's true. It's, it's otherwise. <laughs> if it's the way she's framed or the way she's lit but and this is obviously a beautiful woman in every movie she's been in but it's like on a, a different level um in umbrellas and Cherbourg. so in, in that regard but of course that's that's facile and surface level you're absolutely right madeline is is um is best for him and you feel happy for her i mean really the only jean viev and maybe this is a um, a critique on on society, but she gets the fuzzy end of the lollipop to be sure. Like many, many a movie, <laughs> the guy typically gets to pick between two great uh, <laughs> uh, uh, women and and ends up with one of them. Well, technically, technically, uh, Jean Viev got to pick between two. Yeah, technically, decent at worst guys. I mean, correct. Because we kind of, I mean, before Guy kind of before she leaves, Guy is actually pretty good. Uh, <laughs> And Roland uh, Cossard was obviously right. a successful businessman in Paris. Uh, yeah, a few other things. Uh, that I, and I feel like I noticed that there were a lot, and maybe I noticed it more because they were singing. I just thought there were a lot of shots in which particularly jean is singing at, to you in the, like she's just singing straight into the camera, which was... Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I feel like I just certainly, I feel like the, I can only think of... Uh, Anne Hathaway and Les Mis, uh, the movie version of that. Like, I don't feel like you normally see that just because it's so kind of, you know, intimate. <laughs> sure. Because uh, she's actually just singing a gi, but then that's the, you know, the point of view you get. Uh, and we should bring up, since you just brought up Les Mis, and uh, these are not the actors' voices. Right, I did see that. <laughs> Which was really, really common. In fact, I... Uh, yeah. And I have been on the losing side of this argument many, many times. I do not understand why this is not more common. 
now. These are totally different skills. Movie acting I think we've really, and singing. I think, I think we no longer allow it to happen. Whereas, yeah, it was. It used to be the complete norm. The norm. And now we're like, nope, I need Pierce Brosnan to sing. Uh, why? Like, or Russell Crowe. <laughs> or why? They yeah. can't do it. So don't have them do it. They don't do their own stunts. I don't understand why. Right. These are, I, anyway, I, enough people have yeah. told me that they demand everyone be a triple threat. But if you're not... I mean, yeah. I can defend Russell Crowe's casting in Les Mis. He, has, he can bring something to the screen that only Russell Crowe can, but he can't sing. So get somebody who can and dub his voice. Uh, I just, I, that makes so much sense to me. Uh, and I know that Anne Hathaway won the Oscar, but she can't really sing all that great either. And so I, I don't... That... We could get off on a whole different tangent about Les Mis, <laughs> but uh, I, don't, I yeah. never understood the... It all has to be live and happening right in the middle of it. Uh, you know, you have to be hearing right. what they sounded like on set that day. But why? That's why I, I can go to the theater to hear how they sound in the moment. You can give me perfection. It's a movie. That's the whole point. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, yeah. Soapbox. <laughs> I, uh, think a, I think it's vacated. a. I think it's a DH. Uh, I think it's a designated hitter in baseball type thing. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, okay. And, and, uh, Except you're using you're using things I hate against me. The arguments that's I made, what I did. You know, I hate the DH. But I, th- I think, however, what I will say is the opposite is actually right. The whole point is the DH is this abomination that was added by the AL. This, uh, whereas movie musicals were always, in fact, right. You right. could go back even further. People's lines were dubbed. Like they never got to speak their own lines. So that's actually the way it used to be. Right. Uh, and now we just so uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, so they're not actually singing, but uh, they sure look like they are. Uh, and yes, I don't really have a problem works. with that. But, because well, I also know that that Cherbourg is not as colorful as it appears in this movie, so I can live with that. can't imagine that it is, because it's what? It's a little coastal um, shipping town or something like that. Right. Again, I, I think that's what's so interesting about it, is that it, it takes this very unromantic setting and then creates this sort of totally romantic i mean it, it takes a small story and universalizes it to where it becomes very poignant in a way that it it you know i don't know if it would be um normally it, it, it uses the music to elevate what could be a fairly mundane everyone has that sort of the one that got away type of uh, story or just about everyone um you know, it's not special, but that's what ma- it makes it special because you can recognize yourself in it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and we have kind of glossed over this because I think, honestly, the movie kind of does. She does have a child with him. <laughs> I mean, she, and she's, that makes, she's it pregnant makes no big with his deal baby. About that would be such a mel- maybe a French thing, I can't say. But <laughs> I think that so. would be a huge melodramatic linchpin. There's some sort of. As the father of her child, there would have to be some yeah. confrontation between Guy and Roland, and that is—it's—it's just sort of like a non-thing. Okay, well, you're not. Well, with I think that that's also anymore. why you were supposed to know that Roland's a good guy because he actually doesn't right. even care, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, again, uh, I have no idea if that's and, more. And of a raises French this child thing. that he knows isn't his. Right, uh, and I would argue that Guy is extremely broken up about the fact that she goes to Paris, and so he doesn't get to see his child. Correct. Uh, and I think and it's that, very weird that then that he names his his child with Madeline, the name that they were going to name his son with Javier, and then of right. course she named the daughter the 
female version of Francois. It's true. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I also re- I also really liked right. He comes back and he's looking for, her and then the the umbrella store is changed to a laundromat, which is all white, right? And then his garage is all white, and the snow is white. Uh, you know, like at the end, right? I feel like that's like saying you know that the love is gone out of their relationship, but but again, even in the end, like. He doesn't even really like he he says goodbye and then he immediately is like super excited to see Madeline and his son like he de- like uh like so you know that he's happy in his life mm-hmm. uh which uh like you don't feel this remorse uh, that it didn't work out between them even though they're like the stars of our movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I've always wondered about that instance i'm not sure that it 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 makes a difference i mean it it is as you said the movie totally rolls over it too that uh, the parentage of their kids of his kid yeah because then you see because i don't think he does even go and see his daughter who's there in the car in the car he bothers (laughs) no yeah i've I've moved on yeah (laughs) i've got my own francois right (laughs) um yeah and i think uh, you know, I'd be, be remiss to talk about this movie and not mention the modern movie that I immediately thought of. And I, because, and I also say this, like, I feel like I'd heard of this movie as just like, again, some movie that people like to name drop. Uh, so I did assume it was going to be like French New Wave and I wasn't going to like it. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in fact, it just been name dropped in a book I read. Like, after you said we we're going to read that, we we're going to talk about it, I, it was in a book and I was like, uh, what is this going to be? Uh, and, of course, I thought it was super fun and really liked it, uh, and because it reminded me of a movie of a modern movie I love, which is La La Land. It, it, uh, and I was yeah. and, and watch it, you're like, and, I mean, I just was like, this has to I mean La La Land obviously is inspired by this, uh, <laughs> and it is uh, because it's, I uh, that director Damien um, Chazelle. Um, I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but uh, uh, which I, which is embarrassing for me, but. Uh, it's yeah. <laughs> his favorite uh, movie of all time. He's been on the record about that. Uh, that might have been part of the promotional tour of La La Land. I don't know if he's if, uh, he maybe said the right stuff. Uh, right <laughs> is is his favorite movie. Um, <laughs> when first man came out. the first yeah. man uh, press tour. But anyway, <laughs> it's clear that he's seen it and has absorbed some of its yeah. lessons because it is uh, from the colors. I mean, the the production design is obviously. And and so is the music, which has that sort of jazzy, uh, well, that's the thing. Like quality. I feel like seeing La La Land, how jazzy the music was, like super struck me, and then seeing Umbrella <laughs> Sherbrooke, like, oh, they did it first, you know. Right. <laughs> but in an era uh, when that would have been, that wouldn't have been throwback as much. It would have been much more contemporary. Uh, but it would have. But it almost would have been like, I don't want to say like Hamilton, but it would have been maybe like Hamilton. Like using contemporary music in your opera right. would have been like whoa, like right at that point. Now, of course, using jazz in your 2015 movie is a throwback. Using jazz in your 1964 movie is pretty, you know, right. uh, avant garde. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, they're they're uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm thinking of any number of jazz operas from the 30s and 20s, but yes, uh, I, it, it turns yeah. on of a um, of a mainstream thing. Uh, it doesn't sound like, say, the best picture of 1964, My Fair Lady, or the best picture of 1965, yeah. uh, The Sound of Music. You know, it, it doesn't sound like what was then considered, and obviously those musicals yeah. at stage 
musicals weren't uh, produced at that, you know, would have been older, 10 years older or so. Uh, but it's a, uh, uh, it, would, it didn't sound like a stately, upscale, yeah. uh, grand musical. Yeah, whereas then, and, can, and you could then argue that La La Land did kind of take, it took the colorfulness, the jazz, and then did put it in, I would say, maybe a more true, it kind of made the story not just these two young lovers, but also then making it in Hollywood and following your dreams, uh, yeah. and kind of made it more of a typical Hollywood musical. Uh, and, and that's and fine. It, but, I mean, it, I think yeah. it, it, I, we, we've talked about our admiration for that movie. It's a great movie. Um, and it, it shouldn't... I, I do hope people who like it seek out Sherberg because it's a great movie too. But uh, I don't I don't think having that influence lessens La La Land in the slightest. It's definitely an updating and a both culturally and time wise. Yeah, and I guess I think you put it the best way. The best way to say it is if you like La La Land, you should definitely see Umbrellas of Sherberg. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, which I guess is my way of saying this is definitely the right movie. <laughs> I would, couldn't agree more. It is, yeah, it's one of my favorites. And again, it's, I, it just brightens me, even though it is ostensibly sad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess you might have, it might have hit you harder than it did me. It, it always, it, I just never think of it as this huge tragedy that the two of them are not together. At the no, I, d- I, did not, I did not really think it was sad. Uh, whereas, honestly, La La Land, I feel. Of course, if I'd seen a Brothers of Sherborg, because in some ways the plot of La La Land is also the same. Yeah. They have a separation, and then they end up with different people. Although I feel La La Land wants it to be more of a gut punch at you, whereas this, you kind of see you see it coming. Like, the entire second act is her slowly, yeah. like, you know she's not going to picky. Exactly. I think bittersweet, it, uh, bittersweet and honestly more, like, it's sweeter than bitter so yeah no i right. wouldn't say that it hit me that hard uh, that mo- the morning takes place when he's leaving on the train and i think that is also and you get to adjust to it till it's over and the fact that everybody ends yeah. up in at least not bad situations um is is good keeps it from yeah. being being too terrible yeah. uh, so no i really feel like i'd avoided this movie because it just seemed like it was I don't know, some going to be some pretentious thing, and it's not very pretentious. Uh, and and as you know, the one millionth time that you're like, yes, it all sounds better in French. Not not only is it French, it's sung French. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm sure there was a, so, and I'm looking into it. This movie was nominated for five Oscars, which is pretty remarkable for wow uh, yeah. a foreign film, but. In 1964 and then in 1965, Best Foreign Film, it was nominated in 64, <laughs> and then Best Original really? Song, Best Writing. I'm wondering <laughs> if there was a dubbed American version. I don't know that. I don't know the answer to that. But Well, I have seen that a lot. There have been, like, a lot of Americans have covered what I would say is the only thing that comes close to what I'd call a song. Yeah. The uh, sort of, which is, I will wait for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's repeated uh, fairly endlessly. Yeah, and it's a good uh, melody. It, in the same way that the sort of City of Stars, there, there's an LA, yeah. there's a La La Land equivalent. Yeah, uh, and I guess it kind of became a jazz standard. Uh, hmm. I saw uh, sung by Sinatra, but and Louis Armstrong. Oh my! And 
the greatly named Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh. Um, so, An opera composer. Uh, so there are two. Tony, there are two musical to- Engelbert Humperdinks. <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, he's a 19th century German composer. He composed Hansel and Gretel, and then he was also a 60s pop star. And this I'm would be this the up. 60s pop star. I, I believe you. <laughs> I, I believe that the second Engelbert Humperdinck, it's, not, it's too good to be true that they were two separately named Engelbert Humperdinks <laughs> who were enough musical uh, savants to become stars, but I believe that's his stage name based on the German composer. Uh, yes, because his real name is Arnold George Dorsey. <laughs> oh, man. What a waste <laughs> so of opportunity. Uh, anyway, uh, so I feel like this is the first musical we've talked about. Is that so true? Too. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so let's talk about kind of a simple top five. Top five movie musicals. And I've taken you to heart on this, and we'll talk about that in a second. Number five is Umbrellas of Sherboard. Um, which obviously we've talked about at length. Number four is Swing Time, the best of the Ginger Rogers Uh Fred Astaire movies. Okay. Um, Number three is A Hard Day's Night. I don't know how you can't consider that. You would. (laughs) Is it not a musical? In what way is it not a musical? It's a jukebox musical. It's about the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, and it, I mean, it is a great movie that perfectly captures the, the, them at the height of their part. It is a great, great movie. Okay. I stand by that one whenever I, I will, like okay. K-pop fans say, I will stand for that yeah. one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> All right. Number two is The Wizard of Oz, and number one is Singing in the Rain. I, I know that that seems cliche and that everyone puts it as number one. That's because it, it just is. It is the best movie musical of all time. What you'll notice there is that not a single one of those, uh, and this is not a, a um, literalist reading of your question of doing a top five movie musical. Not one of right. those is, a, is an adaptation. A musical that became... Right. I would uh, say that, that My Fair Lady would probably finish sixth or seventh. I do like that. Uh, it's a great movie. Yeah. With, with Not using Audrey Hepburn's voice, by the way. And Cabaret yes. is a great movie. <laughs> Uh, but they're not as good as, again, as those five. Uh, so it can happen. It's just a very difficult transfer from the stage to the screen. It can also happen really poorly, i.e. the, the Rent movie or the, um, uh, the producer's movie, and certainly, uh, although the, the, the raw material was not that great in the first place, but the Cats movie, which I believe may also be completely <laughs> sung through. So there you go, Ben. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to try to find out. <laughs> and I believe, and I haven't seen this movie, so I don't know, but I believe that the last five years, that musical is also sung through completely. Uh, but I don't know if that's true. Uh, they probably lost their nerve uh, in the movie adaptation. <laughs> yeah, but they were fine making everyone naked, but with fur. Uh, oh, and cats. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, again, we could, spend the, we could spend the rest of <laughs> not just this episode but this season talking about everything wrong with cats uh well the, the musical itself i mean i think oh, what were you weird. i mean i m- mom I took it. us to that and i hated it hated and mom it. hates <laughs> it i mean mom hates cats like the actual the animal uh, uh but yeah she hates the actual animals but <laughs> memory and it is a good song yes. if you find somebody who can wail it it's worth a a, <laughs> a two-hour interval with furry weirdos <laughs> in a, in yeah. a theater um, but it's 
but why now? Why in 29? I mean, who's who is clamoring for this Cats movie? Anyway, again, we can. <laughs> yeah. just, uh, but uh, I think your point. I, I totally agree with your point of movie musicals are almost they're a special thing uh, that like you write the musical for this for the movie can again create things like Sing in the Rain. Again, I would put La La Land in my top five. Uh, I don't know what I kick out, but I mean, Sound of Music is this great, you know, of all time movie and a musical like, uh, like Wizard of Oz. Like you write like musical movie musicals work really well, but for some reason taking, you know, a stage musical again, like I feel like the, you know, uh, Into the Woods and the in the yeah. Les Miserables, the, like I wouldn't say they were bad, honestly, but like they're, they're, they're nowhere near. I'll do it. Well, I'll fine. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they're they're uh, they're I, handsome. They're very, I mean they're well done. They're yeah. but they, uh, but yeah, I think well, I, they don't even come close. I, I, I we I think we can both agree they're not even like no. they're not even the same league as as good as the stage show. Uh, I might put Dreamgirls I like as an Dream adaptation. Girls. Dreamgirls that is a good movie and it's a great musical. Yeah. Uh, again, if I if I could yeah. do a top fifty, I could find you fifty yeah. good mo- movie musicals. There yeah. are that many. Um, it's just that if the question was the top five, I gotta make, I gotta be, yeah. I gotta be, gotta be tough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, like a, you remember the Jets of another movie musical, Most which actually, I, was, I be, actually, uh, yeah, we I, made I thought, letters. I thought for sure keeping, you'd have West Side Story. No, I, I was very like, shocked. I'm not a big. Uh, my hot take is that I don't like that movie. Uh, you can recognize that <laughs> uh, it's very good, but it's not my favorite. Uh, that's also not what ten-year-old you would movies. say. Well, it's not I what like ten year old you would say. I, it's <laughs> one of the five greatest musicals. I just don't love the movie. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, again, I love the top five. Loved Umbrellas of Sherborg. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, you can email us at watching the right movies at um, yeah watching the right movies at gmail.com. Tell us maybe if you have a favorite movie musical. Uh, tell us what you thought of Umbrellas of Sherborg, uh, and we're see you next week. <laughs>